The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 271st ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also... We'll be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week was the beginning of March Madness with buzzer beaters all over the place, uh, certainly in the uh, mid-major leagues and below uh, as they held some conference championships to get in the, uh, uh, to get their claim, their stake in the upcoming tournament and couldn't have been more surprised when uh, the best of them all, buzzer beaters that is, was done by my alma mater, St. Francis of Pennsylvania, where it was an impossible buzzer beater throw as opposed to a shot from like down in the elbow and three point land on Saturday afternoon. to get past Wagner in the Northeast Conference. And it got them in tomorrow night's NEC final against uh, Mount St. Mary's, where the winner will go to the NCAA tournament. So it was just amazing for me to see this pop up on Saturday. It was literally leading Sports Center all over the place uh, throughout the day and night, which was just awesome. For a graduate, again, of St. Francis, small school, uh, around 2,000 students or so, but a small school with a rich, rich, rich basketball history. Uh, The legendary Maurice Stokes went there in the 1950s, put them on the map, literally, went to uh, the NIT in Madison Square Garden back when uh, that was the tournament. And uh, literally captured the basketball public of America. He was about 6'7", and he uh, went on to the NBA where he played for the Cincinnati Royals, had an outstanding rookie season, and then tragically 
had a fall in a game and became paralyzed and his caretaker became his teammate from the Royals, Jack Twyman, and they forged uh, a legendary friendship. Uh, there have been movies made, Big Mo, uh, books written, and his career could have been one of the all-time great careers. Again, he was a, a player ahead of his time, uh, legendary in so many ways, uh, the on-campus uh, auditorium facility where the Red Flash play is uh, in Loretto, Pennsylvania, is named after him, the Marie Stokes Center. They literally built it and opened it during my time going there as a student. And, uh, and he died in the early 70s, and his funeral on campus was legendary. I grew up nearby, half an hour away in Altoona, Pennsylvania. And uh, players such as Oscar Robertson and the like were at the funeral. Oscar Robertson, of course, is his teammate. And he used to play in the famous Catskills games in the summer with players like Will Chamberlain, and he could hold his own against any of them. He really would have been one of potentially the all-time great players in the history of the NBA. At 6'7", he was dominant uh, in my hometown, a half an hour from St. Francis. Stokes used to come down on summer evenings and play pickup games where, uh, according to legend, it was just, you know, five and ten deep around the court uh, just to watch him play. He grew up in Pittsburgh and uh, he, he was just a fantastic player and a true legend. And then uh, fast forward to when I was growing up, they used to play six blocks from my house. This was before the on-campus uh, gymnasium was uh, operating. So they played in Altoona, Pennsylvania, their home games, and they were great. And they had a player that you all know, Norm Van Leer, uh, one of the best players in America. He went on to uh, play for the Chicago Bulls under Jerry Sloan, with Jerry Sloan, not under Jerry Sloan, who later became their coach, but he was Jerry Sloan's backcourt mate. The teams with uh, Bob Love were going back into the, uh, you know, the 1970s now, and Van Leer was known for his hard-nosed play. He later became a uh, radio announcer uh, for the Bulls, and died tragically and way too young uh, while he was still an announcer. And he grew up in Midland, Pennsylvania, near Pittsburgh. And then there was another great player. Uh, as I was growing up, going literally walking to St. Francis games, uh, Kevin Porter. And he was tremendous. One Again, one of the best guards in the country. He played for... Uh, the then Washington Bullets had a nice career there. And then one last player of note was, uh, was Mike Isolini, grew up in Altoona. And he led the Frankies, as they were called before they were the Red Flash. That was their nickname, the Frankies. And uh, he led them to the NCAA tournament in the early 90s. And I literally met Mike at the Boston Garden interviewed him. He played for the Dallas Mavericks and uh, went in and 
watched him play a game. Uh, he was a sharpshooting guard and watched him play against Larry Bird and the Celtics at the height of their, uh, their dominance back in the uh, 90s, late 80s, 90s, that team. So just, again, a rich history for a small school. And tomorrow night at 7 o'clock on ESPN2, they'll be playing Mount St. Mary's, and the winner goes to the tournament. So we'll have to wait and see how that all pans out, but it should be great. Um, so again, buzzer beaters all over the place. Excitement is building for the tournament. Championship week coming up uh, this week. Selection Sunday, of course, on Sunday, this Sunday. And here we go again. Good to see Florida Gulf Coast, as in Dunk City, down in Fort Myers. Uh, punched their ticket yesterday. So it was uh, quite a weekend to just uh, whet the appetite, shall we say. And uh, here we go with March Madness coming right up. My bizarre story of the week was the Bus Brothers from the Los Angeles Lakers trying to take control of of the Lakers from their sister Jeannie Bus. Uh, crazy situation in court dealing with the board of directors. It was a hostile takeover, like uh, we see sometimes in corporate America, a coup, so to speak. Unsuccessful for the moment, but. Uh, this is a story to watch. It's the Lakers, so it's uh, it's worth noting. And lastly, my low light of the week was the Celtics giving up five points in the last five seconds to lose last night to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, in a nutshell, the Celts went up two with five seconds to go. The Suns come down. They tie it. Inbound pass to Isaiah Thomas, of all people. He of the fourth quarter heroics this year. Isaiah promptly turns it over, and uh, the Suns scored on a three-pointer at the buzzer immediately after the turnover to win, and uh, very, very disappointing loss that uh, may stick with the Celtics for the time being. It was just surreal to watch. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, so don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America. 
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net and it's that time of the show when we often have guests and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert A.P. Stedham of BEM Magazine and A.P. how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great John, doing great, glad to be here. Well glad to have you on as always and uh, lots going on these days with uh, March Madness starting to pick up steam and uh, with some of the conference championships. But uh, why don't we get started with, uh, with some football as we, uh, our favorite topic as the combine in full swing the last few days out in Indianapolis, the NFL combine and you cover Alabama. And it turns out that an Alabama player was uh, making some headlines over the weekend. He sure was John Dog. Alabama linebacker Reuben Foster, you know, tremendous player for Alabama, uh, the Butkus Award winner, and uh, he was at the combine. And you have to go through these various medical tests. And I guess he was at the facility and got into a heated argument with one of, one of the staff members, and they ended up sending him home because of that argument. And he ended up having to backtrack that. It was really blown out of proportion, and his agent sent a letter to all the 32 teams apologizing. So I, th- I think one of the th- things that came out was maybe it was like a time element where he was thought he was waiting too long to have the test done, and and so he he was pushing forward to have it done quicker, and it escalated, and so that was an unfortunate situation. And uh, I, I hope he learned his lesson from that from that uh, experience. Yeah, it was an unfortunate situation, and I thought, uh, you know, in the aftermath, he did handle it well. I think he put something out on Instagram, and then, like you said, uh, you know, his uh, agent sent the letter, nice touch, sending a letter to all the teams, apologizing. Uh, these things happen. Nobody, none of us like to wait for uh, for medical exams, right? It's just uh, it's almost human nature, so... And he's a great player. Uh, my understanding is he has maybe a shoulder injury, so he wasn't even participating, but he was out there for all the other ancillary stuff. Is that correct? Correct. That's right, John. He had a um, <clears throat> surgery on the right ro- ro- rotator cuff last month, so he wasn't going to even be you know, participating in all the physical drills. But you want to be there to interview with all the teams and present yourself as a worthy candidate and a upstanding uh, individual that can play in the NFL. Well, exactly, exactly. We're not ta- talking, uh, you know, just any player here. We're, we're talking top 10 pick uh, projected, correct? Right, yeah, he, he was tremendous for Alabama this year. Like I said, won the Butkus Award, had over had 115 tackles, 13 for loss, and five sacks. So he's very versatile and, and really showed some improvement from last year to this year. Well, that's great. Well, Hopefully it turns out well with him. Uh, you know, there's always something at the combine like this. You know, stories like this tend to emerge, uh, and you know, it just happened to be his this particular weekend. But 
the combine as usual generates a lot of interest uh and you know john ross i was thinking of you when he <laughs> broke broke the all-time 40 if i'm not if i remember correctly he of course played with washington the huskies when they played alabama in the semifinal. So he, it's not like he was running up the, up and down the field for, for in 40-yard chunks, but you did get to see him in person. Do you have any memories? or I'm guessing you weren't surprised by the speed, right? No, I knew he was a very fast player and, and a good football player. And, uh, you know, when you're at the combine, if, any way you could stand out, especially with speed as a wide receiver, that's going to get you noticed and probably move you up in the draft because somebody is infatuated with a speedy wide receiver, whether they're a good football player, mediocre football player, or otherwise. Yeah, well, it reminded me of someone we'll remember from our growing up days, which, of course, was you know Bob Hayes, who landed in the league with the Cowboys. Bullet Bob Hayes was the famous nickname, and he was the world's fastest human. And I think ever since then, the NFL has been obsessed with, you know, speed, uh, with good reason. Um, you know, they've brought in guys after various Olympics over the years. I think one might have been like John Carlos uh, brought in yeah. to play with the Eagles. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, Tommy Nehemiah. Tommy, Tommy Smith played a little bit. You know, John Tommy Carlos Smith. running mate there. He was in the league a little bit. Ronaldo and Nehemiah, if I remember. Right. He got a look. You got to look, I think, with the 49ers, if I remember correctly. So it's just, uh, it just goes to prove. I mean, if you have speed, that is, you know, your one potential ticket into the NFL without a heavy football background. It really is. Uh, That's how enamored they get. Yeah, John. I mean, if you can get by the quarterback one play, I mean, you could have 10 bad plays, but that one play where you catch the home run ball, you put your team ahead or, or, you know, your, your team's struggling and get you back into the game. So, yeah, he broke that record. I guess the record was like 4-2-4, four, four, so he ran a 4-2-2. Two, two. Exactly. No, very amazing. Uh, and the one that he broke was pretty old, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe set in like 1996, if I remember correctly. Uh, so th- this record had been around a while. And, uh, I mean, of all the records in the combine to break, I think that's the one that, is going to get the most attention and you know he's i've seen him interviewed constantly since then and uh he's he's the darling of the combine what else can you say it's good for him oh yeah and he, and he's a good football player johnny had 76, oh, yeah. 76 catches this year over a thousand yards and he put up 17 touchdowns so he he not only caught the football but he gets in the end zone oh yeah yeah he's a very good football player i'm not in any way equating him to former track stars in the NFL who, uh, you know, as we just discussed, got a look. This is a guy who had a great season on one of the top four teams in the country that made the playoff and Pac-10 champions, and he was a major contributor. I mean, I, you know, if you watch college football, you knew John Ross's name. I mean, uh, watched him a few times on TV and a total game breaker. So it was great. Uh so, yeah, so lots of interesting stuff at the Combine. I found the stuff about uh, Mitchell Trubitsky interesting. I was hearing some buzz, as we all were, as the season went along, that he was, his stock was rising as a potential high pick at quarterback. He's got the size, and then suddenly his size was called into question because people thought he was an inch and a half bigger <laughs> than he was. But that proved to be apparently untrue. It's just crazy. 
Yeah, those things are, are clarified uh, for sure at the combine. I mean, they they use a sharp pencil when they identify all the uh, you know lengths and heights and widths. So they'll find those things out very very early, and no agent or publicity person can uh, tell the story otherwise. Correct. Now I remember last year I forget who it was, but it was somebody you know being. It was said that they they had small hands. I remember that was a big deal last year. I forget who the player was, but it was the story in last year's combine. Yeah, and depending on the position, I remember. I always remember that Ricky Williams. I, I can recall. I think Bill Polian coming on TV and said he has small hands, and and you, you don't notice those things unless you're looking carefully. And I remember gazing at his hands when I watched him on TV. The next time I said, "Hey, they have really small hands." You can tell. Yeah, yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, Deshaun Watson. It was interesting because I saw like a photo shoot uh, snippet video snippet uh, where he was walking uh, along with Mitchell Trubisky, and they were the exact same height. I don't know exactly how big Deshaun Watson is, uh, but he and Trubisky are literally eye to eye on height. But Deshaun Watson, given his, you know, outstanding college career, uh, you know, didn't seem to be getting a whole lot of love. But then, uh, you know, I think when the quarterbacks got on the field, I think it was Friday or Saturday, he looked pretty good. I uh, was getting some nice praise. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, I, I don't know if every team was in love with him as a quarterback in the NFL, but I'm thinking to myself, Dak Prescott, maybe he was in the same position or even uh, less, you know, with his abilities and, and talents that they liked, uh, but he did okay in the NFL, so... You know, what does Dak Prescott have that Deshaun Watson doesn't in the eyes of the people who are, are questioning his uh, chances? Yes, well, it's just amazing, uh, you know, uh, what makes these guys, you know, into instant stars. And certainly Dak Prescott, I mean, he's, you know, we're talking Tom Brady level here type stuff with him as far as his rookie season goes. And although Brady... Didn't have didn't get off the bench for a couple of years. Uh, we all know it has happened since, and that doesn't need uh, any further explanation. But it was interesting. I don't know if you saw this. That uh, big news in New England where Tom Brady found his combine jersey and uh, posted a picture of him in it. I think it was on Instagram with the description that the scouts had on him at the time of the combine. We all know he was a sixth round, 199th pick. And it was great. It really got a lot of play up here in New England. Anything Brady does gets a lot of play here in New England, obviously. And uh, But it was a nice touch. And he was just him sitting there wearing his combine jersey from, I guess, 17 years ago. So, uh, so you just never know. I mean, Brady will be the all-time poster child of, you know... Uh, not being judged properly at the Combine, the draft, and beyond. Yeah, I think it's him. And, and it, amazingly, it's, it's probably, um, you know, Joe Montana, similar, similar situation. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, fellow SEC uh, player. Again, you cover Alabama, so you also know your SEC quite well. Um, he had again sort of a interesting 
interesting combine where I was seeing both positive and negative things being said about him. Yeah, I think he was a little bit heavy at 240 pounds and ended up running a 5.51. Uh, I, I get concerned a little bit when you see running backs a little bit overweight, but right. Uh, you mean, you know, Alabama's own Eddie Lacy has his issues with putting on extra pounds. So, But I've talked to some people, and they would draft him in a heartbeat, Leonard Fortnite. Correct. Correct. I mean, when you really step back and th- just think for a second, you know, we all know how fast he is. Uh, but when you talk about a running back at 240 pounds with his speed, uh, you know, NFL GMs have to be salivating. They really do. Um, I mean, that's, that's a big guy, 240 pounds. If you just, again, step back, think about it and think about tackling someone with his speed, power, and now weight, uh, it's, it's a tall task to put it mildly. Yeah. When I'm looking at running backs, John, I'm, I'm really, really focusing in on the first 10 yards. Can they get through the hole and can they make the cuts, uh, when you know those quick cuts that they have to make when they're getting through the line, when they can, and can they di- diagnose where the opening is when they're handed the ball? Exactly, exactly. Uh, a la Le'Veon Bell, who is literally you know uh, recreating the word patience on the football field and <laughs> the way he picks holes, and uh, you know I, I think we might start to see a lot more of that. I mean, I'm sure runners have done it before, but nobody quite like Bell and. Again, uh, I, I think that's probably a new category that NFL coaches and GMs are looking for, just how patience and picking the hole, because he has just proven the importance like no one before him. Yeah, John, when you have a running back, you, you look at his size. Can he break tackles? I mean, you want someone who cannot be taken down by the first player. So they have to be able to either elude that first tackle or get through him with their strength. And that's some of the things that the running backs nowadays must have if they're going to be at the top-level picks. The other guys that you can have in the lower rounds, maybe they don't do all of those things. But if you're taking somebody in the first and second round, they must be able to see the hole, get by the first tackler, and uh, have the burst of speed to make that 10-yard, that first 10 yards. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Another player that, like Fournette, I was reading both good things and bad things about him was uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, in, interesting to note also that it was he and Fournette were the two headliners and not playing in their bowl games so they could be uh, both prepared and healthy uh, for the combine and the draft. Uh, but yeah, it seemed like his bench pressing was being called into question, but then he went out and did some other drills that were... Uh, above and beyond, so again, a mixed bag there too. Yeah, John, you know, a lot of times when you have uh, an issue at the combine, if I'm a, a scout, I'm going to revert back to the performance on the field. I'm going to speak to his coaches, I'm going to speak to opposing coaches and get their opinion because when all is said and done, it's it's the uh, talents and the skills that they displayed on the field that matter the most. These other things, it's nice to be the strongest player, fastest player, but can they make plays on the football field and, and they fit in your system? Correct. Correct. Exactly. Um, you know, and the other thing, just as we close out the first segment here, is, you know, I think Ezekiel Elliott, speaking of running backs like Fournette and McCaffrey, 
But I think Ezekiel Elliott, you know, being chosen so high and then having uh, you know burst onto the scene literally uh, with an unbelievably productive rookie year, I think he, you know, he, he's almost single-handedly revised how GMs and coaches are now picking or drafting running backs. Uh, we went a few years there where none were in the first round, and then I think it was Todd Gurley broke through a couple of years ago to become, you know, the first running back chosen in the first round in a while, and then Ezekiel Elliott, I, I think we're going to start to see a lot of that now. Yeah, he changed the Cowboys season. I mean, to go back to that trifecta of having the, you know, Des Bryant, the good quarterback and the good running back, you know, with Dak Prescott and Vico Elliott, that's the trifecta that was successful in getting the Cowboys a couple of Super Bowl wins years years ago. Exactly. The triplets uh, and now the Steelers, among others, are recreating that. And it really, uh, you know, it, it, it's a good formula. We've seen a lot of success with the with a big three on offense uh, over the years, but none more so than the Cowboys with uh, Irvin, Emmett Smith, and of course Troy Aikman. Way P, hard to believe we're at the end of uh, our first segment together. Uh, so why don't we take our break? I know you're sticking around, and we have a lot more to get to on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert AP Stedham of Bamba Magazine and AP we were talking a little combine at the in the previous segment and just wanted to check in before we leave this topic to see if you had any other thoughts uh, on the combine yeah well John one uh, note was that Alabama tight end OJ Howard 
he was measured at six foot six, two hundred fifty-one pounds, and he had the second fastest time among tight ends. Uh, but the other tight end was certainly not as big as Evan Ingram of uh, Ole Miss, but he ran a four point five one, and that four point five one was faster than twenty-seven combined wide receivers. Oh my gosh! And uh, we all remember O.J. Howard from two years ago when he was uh, had the spectacular national championship game uh, when Alabama beat Clemson two years ago, uh, and he was just, like, spectacular that day uh, down in Phoenix. So, wow, big guy. So that's 6'6", that's... Uh, that's going to get a good look with that speed. That's going to go well with the NFL teams, to say to say the least. Oh yeah, and John, I, I just was reading this this note. It's, a tight end has not been in the top fifteen since two thousand six. And just to uh, add to that note is that Alabama. This, this will be the first tight end they've ever had taken in the first round in uh, modern modern history. That's since the modern draft of sixty seven. I mean. Ozzie Newsom played tight end in the NFL, but he came out of Alabama. He was a wide receiver in that wishbone. He played a little bit at tight end at Alabama, but technically I think O.J. Howard is going to be uh, the first tight end in, in the modern era to be drafted from Alabama. Wow, fascinating. Um, yeah, well, it's, a, you know, it's a tight end league. I mean, there's a lot of great tight ends, uh, starting right here with Gronk. Uh, despite the injuries, I mean, when you think about the records he set uh, and the impact he's had with all the injuries he's had, it's nothing short of remarkable. He's, you know, he's, a, he's his own brand and, he, and he's a game changer. And, but lots of good tight ends around the league, you know. Travis Kelsey out in Kansas City. And, you know, the list just goes on and on. I mean, if I was a GM or a coach, uh, to me, having a good tight end is... Uh, you know, one of the key secrets to success. It really is. John, I think the best thing that a young quarterback could have on the team is a sure-handed tight end. Because yep. when you're looking down the field, and a lot of times the wide receivers with the speed are double-covered, you're looking for that big fella in the middle where you can just throw the short pass and you know that he'll catch the football. Correct, correct. And to me, you know, the Patriots season... Unlike previous years when Gronk got hurt and, you know, the initial reaction uh, that held true basically was, well, there goes the season. Uh, you know, it wasn't true this year because they had a premier tight end uh, in his own right in Martellus Bennett, who, you know, uh, played a major role. So this year when Gronk went down, they didn't miss a beat and they won the Super Bowl. And uh, so, you, you know, I think that just shows uh, the value of a great tight end. And uh, anyway, you know, we, we've got the combine and college players showing their stuff, uh, but we're also AP moving into March Madness. Uh, I started off the show by talking about my alma mater, St. Francis of Pennsylvania, small school with a rich basketball history, but they hit the shot of the weekend. Uh, uh, it was a heave, a throw from beyond the three-point arc at the buzzer uh, as St. Francis beat Wagner. And lo and behold, AP, they're in the uh, 
they're in the NEC Northeast Conference Championship game tomorrow night against Mount St. Mary's. If they win, they're going to the NCAAs for the first time since the 90s. And, of course, uh, a small college, but, you know, rich history. And we've had uh, famous players there that I grew up watching, Norm Van Leer and Kevin Porter. And then prior to that, the legendary Marie Stokes played there. And uh, so, and Mike Gazzolini also was their star uh, when they last went to the NCAAs. I remember staying up, uh, early 90s, they were in the tournament, and uh, they were playing out in, like, Arizona at, you know, uh, a midnight tip-off. And I and probably every other St. Francis alumni (laughs) stayed up to watch, so... Tomorrow night, we wanted to stay up since it's a 7 p.m. game on ESPN2, but I wouldn't be surprised if they win, if they're if we're going to have another late night come tournament time watching, uh, <laughs> watching the Red Flash. But it would be great. Obviously, again, it's, uh, it's just the beauty of March Madness where, you know, all these teams get a shot, uh, you know, at the tournament, it's equal opportunity, and uh, suddenly again, there are you know St. Francis alumni across the nation, like myself, just uh, uh, can't wait to turn on you know to watch the game tomorrow night and see if they can make the tournament. They've been there before, and uh, hopefully it holds. And I was reminded again yesterday watching uh, Florida Gulf Coast Dunk City back in the tournament and. They were one of the all-time great tournament darlings in history a few years ago. Uh, I still remember when they beat Georgetown to go on to the, I think, Sweet 16. Their coach, who was married to the model, you know, is now the coach at USC. He got a, you know, high-profile job out of it. And I've seen the campus. It's right beside the Fort Myers Airport. It's right there, (laughs) flying in and out of Fort Myers, Florida, and, you know. Again, Dunk City. What else? What else can you say? And they had a guy yesterday uh, as a were heir apparent to Dunk City of a few years ago. He was uh, he was jamming, and you know, it's just a great story. I mean, they already have a built-in fan base of people like me who just remembers what they did a couple years ago. Oh yeah, John. They're so entertaining. And they are a true Cinderella, and then they always show the pictures of the campus right there on the coast, and uh, they're flamboyant as a team. I mean, it's just so much fun to watch. It's one of the better stories in the NCAA tournament every year. It really is. It really is, you know. It just, re- you know, it's now's the time to be remembering some of this great stuff. I mean, I remember Steph Curry when he played for Davidson. Uh, by the way, Davidson is, uh, you know, not a whole lot bigger than St. Francis, put it that way. Uh, small school, well-known basketball history. Uh, he helped put them on the map again. They were, again, well-known school. Uh, but, you know, it just goes on and on. I mean, living here in Boston, and you, you of course, have lived in Connecticut, you know. It's great to just see how these uh, smaller schools emerge. A couple of years ago, I remember University of Vermont uh, you know, made some noise, and BU, and on and on and on. Harvard, Harvard was in the tournament a couple of years, and then finally broke through with a first-round victory, and uh, Tommy Amaker is their coach, and uh, again, it's just on and on and on. Uh, it's endless, and it's just so wonderful how uh, these small schools emerge, and I mean, you win a game, 
You know, I think a Norfolk State a couple of years ago, these upsets, Cleveland State, of course, I think they probably have the all-time uh, victory uh, when they beat, of course, Bob Knight in Indiana back in the day. I think that literally helped, uh, you know, uh, put these upsets on the map. That may be still the grand, granddaddy of them all. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And another one I recall, John, is uh, Lehigh beat Duke, I believe. Right, exactly. And the guard and a, place for Portland Trailblazers now. I uh, took the words right out of my mouth. C.J. McCollum. That's exactly, <laughs> I, uh, that's exactly what I was about to say. You know, he was a big-time player, instrumental, led their team to that amazing upset over Duke. And, uh, you know... And the rest is history, and here he is paired now with Damian Lillard, and they're one of the best pair of guards in the entire NBA. So it's a showcase. There's nothing like it. Uh, last year, of course, I covered the first round down in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, practically devoted two, two shows in a row to it, and uh, Duke was in that one. So I got to attend Coach K press conferences. That's not something you ever take for granted. And, uh, you know, half an hour from where I'm speaking right now, down in Providence, and it was great. Uh, Unfortunately, nothing up in New England this year, but uh, there is a regionals down at Madison Square Garden this year, uh, second round, so to speak. So uh, it's going to be fun, and we got started, what, a week from tomorrow night with the first four out in Dayton, and then... uh, and then we'll just take it from there. Uh, selection Sunday, this Sunday, and that's going to be awesome. This, uh, that's a, that's as good a studio show as there is all year, right there with the uh, college football playoff. Now, as when they s- select uh, the actual participants, in this case, there'll be really 68, 64 teams plus the four, the first four. Yeah, John, it's always it's a, a fun Sunday to see. Who, who's playing in what bracket and what region and and what teams uh, are straggling in at the end. Yep. The bubble, the brackets, all of it. Uh, there's nothing quite like it. Uh, to me, uh, you know, two of the best sports days in America, for sure, are a week from Thursday and a week from Friday, uh, where it's basically... Uh, Non-stop games, 16 games each day, right? Yep, 64 games, yeah, so 16 games each day. And there, there's always, you know, upsets that just go, you know, it's it's an automatic. There'll be upsets. And, uh, yeah, nothing like it. And a week from Friday will be St. Patrick's Day, which it was last year down in Providence, and that was just amazing. There was great <laughs> weather. And so here we go again. St. Patrick's Day will be... Uh, a week from Friday when there'll be 32 NCAA games, and that's going to make for a nice combination, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, John, and um, I don't know if you saw that there's so many tournaments this year in New York City. Correct. Yeah, the uh, yeah. Atlantic Coast Conference is in Brooklyn, and the yep. Madison Square Garden, I guess, what that's the is that the Big East, and, and then they're yep. having that regional, so New York City is coming back to life with college basketball. Love it. Love it. There's... There's a built-in fan base for decades, and just to loop it back and close it out with St. Francis, a lot of that was built, uh, believe it or not, on the back of Marie Stokes in the 1950s when, 
He took Little St. Francis up to Madison Square Garden and just dazzled the New York City crowd. He was he was the best player in the country, period. He was 6'7 in 1955 or whatever. And they went up St. Francis of Pennsylvania and just, uh, you know, dominated. There's no other, nobody could stop Maurice Stokes. You know, it's a great story. And uh, so they've been on the map ever since. And they're finally going to be on the map again tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. So this is the beauty of it right here. St. Francis is, is the exact example of what makes... March Madness in general, great, the tournament specifically. But, uh, you know, we still got, you know, 10 days till the tournament starts. But the truth is, March Madness is underway as we speak. Yeah, it sure is. Well, all these tournaments coming up, and you still have a chance to play your way in. Exactly. Exactly. Way P, great segment. And still have a few more things to get to on the other side. But uh, let's take our break now. And we'll be back after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line, this is our weekly call-in expert. A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, as we've been discussing, Selection Sunday show this Sunday uh, on CBS at, I believe, 6 p.m. Eastern time. That's, uh, that's what time is held every year. I don't expect it's any different this year. So we'll know. Uh, we'll know who's going to the tournament. And uh, A.P., uh, as always, there's... Constant change in football with rule changes and whatnot. And it sounds like you have a couple uh, updates on college football rules. Yeah, John, this is a non-rule change year for the NCAA. But the exception is the ability to change it for the player's safety. So the committee has made the recommendations that it prohibits the player from leaping over or hurdling the offensive line 
in their attempt to block a field goal or extra point. Uh, the, um, the the current the current rule penalizes the tactic only if the defensive player lands on an offensive player, but and then also they recommended adding the nameplate area of the jersey to the current horse collar tackle rule, and then also John, you, you, a lot of times you're looking at the uniforms, they're re- going to require the players to wear knee pads and pants that covers the knees. Uh, that was uh, like a, a recommendation in the past. You know, strongly recommended, but now it's going to be a rule. So those things will go to the uh, rules oversight panel, which meets April nineteenth, and they'll probably approve all of those. I'm pretty sure. And Fascinating. That go, yeah, that would go. That would go into effect for this upcoming season. All right. Oh, that's good to know. That's a good update. Uh, yeah, uh, I've always wondered why players would want to have their pads end above the knee. I mean, obviously, the, you know, you could get some nasty, and I mean nasty scrapes. Uh, I know it makes them look faster and more sleek. I mean, you know, when I think of that, I usually think of kickers and, of course, receivers. Uh, maybe defensive backs as well, wearing their uh, pants above the knee. But, uh, again, I, I've never thought it was worth it because, uh, again, you could get some really, really... Nasty burn, strawberries as they call them, on your knees to put it mildly. That's no fun. So No, sure. And no, no, not at all. And I think the NFL changed their rule, too, on not allowing players to leap over the line, something that the Patriots have done a lot of in recent years. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it, it, that's an interesting one, too. It's, I think that's a good one. That's a, it's a great play when it works, but it's always really, really tricky to determine if he – I, I think if he as much as touches anybody, like if a finger touches another finger from an offensive lineman or whatever, that you know, then the play is a penalty, right? Yeah, yes, that's that's true. And then, then John, a, a couple other things that the committee they extended a couple experimental rules. The one where they have the centralized replay, replay panel to collaborate with the on-site replay officials. And then the, the Ivy League had uh, an experiment of kicking off from the 40-yard line rather than the 35. And the touchbacks will be spotted at the 20. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's been interesting, uh, you know, to watch these changes. Uh, this is the time of year when we're starting to see this stuff. And uh, it's also the time of year when, you know, we got a lot of other things going on. A couple things worth noting is uh, – I know you like to cover golf. Dustin Johnson is finally fulfilling his potential in a big way. Uh, You know, he won yesterday down in Mexico City, and he won, uh, of course, a couple weeks ago out in, I believe, L.A., Uh, won his first major. I was there at the U.S. Open in Oakmont last June, and he's the number one player in the world. And I guess I heard this morning where he was the first uh, one of the first, maybe the first since Tiger, to win his first tournament after becoming number one in the world. But, I mean, he was up four strokes late in the, you know, in the back nine yesterday. So he's not just winning, he's dominating. Yeah, I mean, that's a nice thing to see Dustin Johnson uh, competing and winning and having success on the tour. It really is. It really is. Um, you know, likable fellow, had some personal issues to work out, stepped away from the game for a bit, clearly has worked him out, and he is now, again, uh, 
you know, been the longest driver on the tour for a while. And he, he has what looks like, you know, the perfect golfer's body, tall and lean with power. And it's great to see. Again, likable fellow. I've sat in on a couple of his interviews after tournaments. And, uh, you know, got, he, he certainly has had his heartbreak over the years. And like so many others, it's like uh, when he, you know, three-putted that green to lose the U.S. Open out in uh, uh, Olympic in Washington, uh, state of Washington, a couple of years ago. He's, he's been a different person ever since. Just that simple. Uh, so many times you see these guys lose a heartbreaking tournament, often a major, and then they finally break through immediately or soon thereafter, and they become different players. Yeah, all those experiences, you, they can go either way, John. I mean, you've seen it from, from golfers that they've had some adversity and some are never the same uh, going, to, going south, and then some, they... they uh, it bulks them up and emboldens them to to go through this adversity and, and come out the end the champion. Right, right, yes. And that, that is the flip side, AP. You make a good point. There are some who have that heartbreak and they never recover and they never win a major or whatever. Uh, another thing going on as we close the show here is uh, World Baseball Classic. Got underway in Seoul, South Korea uh, in the overnight hours. And here we go. Gonna be a lot of baseball. Uh, the sites right now are good. The games are going to be held in Miami, Seoul, Tokyo, and Mexico to get it going. And then they're going to end up at Petco Park. And ultimately, the championships are, I believe, at Dodger Stadium. Uh, AP, I, I, I didn't know what to make of it a few years back, but I happened to be in Miami when some World Baseball Classic games were being played. And it was a rabid fan base. I won't soon forget it. So it's kind of been something I check out every year now since that it's played. Because I'll never forget that time in Miami when the entire city was like rooting for their country's teams. It was awesome. Yeah, John, it's fun to see the baseball taken to other parts of the world and see how these countries welcome, welcome the game and accept the sport. It really is. It truly is, uh, you know, with the games in Tokyo and Seoul. Tokyo, they obviously love baseball in Japan. Seoul, let's not forget, hard to believe, AP, that Seoul is going to be hosting, uh, maybe not Seoul, but South Korea is going to be hosting the Winter Olympics in less than a year now. That's just mind-boggling that it's here already. <laughs> yeah, the time flies, it really does. Correct, exactly. Uh, it just feels like Rio. Uh, was just staging the Summer Olympics. But AP, as always, thanks for calling in. Great perspective, and uh, good having you on the show today. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, John. It's always my pleasure. Thank you, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.